The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamu alaikum listeners. My name is Shaquille Shaw of Wolf & Coast Listers. Uh, today I'm hosting a radio show in relation to a very hot topic and very important topic. It's uh, food hygiene and food safety. Um, it's, it's very important uh, for everyone to uh, to uh, listen to this show because it applies to everyone in the normal day-to-day life because everyone has to eat food and they need to make sure that they are eating uh, something which is not um, dangerous for their health. So today I have a panelist on the show. I've, I will invite them to introduce themselves. So um, please. And good evening. Uh, good to be back again. Uh, Gregory Wedge, Barrister at Church Court Chambers again, specialising in crime and regulatory law. Okay. Sorry, Colin, if you have a, another go because your mic was off. <laughs> well, I won't take offence at that. Colin Wedge, <laughs> Church Court Chambers, good to be back, literally back uh, again. Uh, barrister specialising in crime and regulatory law. Okay, thank you very much. So we always work together on uh, these sort of cases and even uh, uh, criminal, other criminal cases as well. So we've been working for a long time together and they're really good barristers. If you do need to get in touch with them, they work for church court chambers. So you can also contact them through us. Please do call in on 01582481822. If you have any answers or if you have any queries, you can call in on 0. 0- one five eight two four eight one eight two two. You can also WhatsApp in on zero triple seven nine four eight one eight two two. So today's show is about food hygiene and food safety. So I'm going to be asking several questions to from a panelist regarding the food hygiene and food safety. So we'll start off with the introduction. So what is food hygiene and who is it relevant to, Colin? Um, well, food hygiene. Um, in law in terms of regulations applies to food businesses and food uh, business operators. Um, They've got legal terms like everything in law and are much broader than you might imagine conceptually that they may well be. So a food business is an undertaking, doesn't have to be profit actually, Uh, can be public or private and that's carrying out any stage of the food process. So those that produce food, those that process food and those that distribute food. Um, And it can cover even preparation for charity events, which often is misunderstood by uh, many people. They think it only applies to the multi-million pound companies or the shops you see on the high streets, Uh, but it can apply in theory to all involved in the the supply chain. And then you've got the food business operators. That's those that operate the food businesses. It can be a legal concept, so it could be the company, and it can also be what we call a natural person. So that's an individual who is at the company and who is obliged, if you like, to ensure that the company is compliant with the food law, compliant with business and operational. So perhaps your manager, um, perhaps your director, someone at the company in business. So that's really who food hygiene affects in law. But as you said in opening, it affects each and every one of us because we all consume food. And that really is the issue in the case. So it's relevant to everyone and anyone. Um, But really what we're going to be talking about this evening, Greg and I and yourself, are those that are involved in the supply of food rather than the consumer themselves. Okay, so I know you uh, explained it very well, so it covers uh, most of the most of the area, but I'll just invite Greg to add, if he thinks anything to add on to this. 
Yeah. Just building on, on what Colin said, it's a, it applies to everyone who, who supplies food. So it applies to individuals as well as directors of companies and, and owners as well. So it's one of those things that is an all-encompassing area of law. Just because one of your staff doesn't follow the correct procedures doesn't mean you as a director will not be liable under the law. Mm. And just because you as a director provided the correct training, you still are under an obligation to monitor how your staff operate. Because if they, again, do something which causes someone harm, i.e. maybe gives them food poisoning, or as we've seen in recent cases, um, nut allergy cases where um, people have faced prison sentences, as a director, the onus is on you to ensure that you are maintaining the correct training procedure because it's individuals first and then they look at the training individuals had and if that training is substandard then the director is also responsible so it's an all-encompassing law uh, and that is why it's such a hot topic at the moment because it's such a wide ranging reaching law okay and is it correct to say that it's, it's dealt with by, by way of criminal law like is it... it it's it, it's mostly dealt with by criminal law the the, the punishments are can be an unlimited fine, it's, it's means assessed. There are various brackets, so 1.25 million and, and downwards. Um, a, few, a few statistics, there were organisations prosecuted for, in 2013, there was only 60, but that's risen to 130 in 2016. So it's quite a hot topic and it's been taken very seriously. Individual prosecutions, so there were 180 individual prosecutions in 2015, and then there were 260 prosecutions in 2017. And so that's a, the fines have received have been fined, so 92% of that from 2017. And the mean income, the mean average of fines has gone to up to around £5,000 per case. So it's something that um, the law and the police and the government are taking very, very serious at the moment. The average amount for a fine, uh, when you take into account all cases, is somewhere between £930 and £1,300 for an individual. Okay. And as I say, that, that's all means assessed, so it depends on your on your profit and income from the business that you're running. And uh, that would include uh, the costs as well, like prosecution costs? The, the costs are on top of the fine. Okay. So you, you get the punishment, which is the fine, um, or in some cases, like the recent peanut allergy case, um, it was it was imprisonment. Uh, and okay. then the costs are, are put on top for the cost of bringing that prosecution. So you, you get a double hit in effect. Okay, double hit in, in terms of cash. And it, it depends how big you are, how much you're making, and then the fine is calculated on the basis of your means. Indeed. So a, a local takeaway won't be fined the same amount as, say, a supermarket. It's, okay. all, it's, all, means, it's all means tested and means assessed. Okay, so is there a, a legislation which um, governs or an act which governs all the food safety and hygiene law? There is indeed. There's the, the Food Safety Act of 1990, which sets out the offences. Uh, there are various offences. Um, Sections 7, 14 and 15 of the Food Safety Act may only be prosecuted within three years of commission of an offence. It's an offence under Section 14 to sell food, which is not of the nature or substance which is quality demanded. Uh, and that's what we call an either way offence. So it can be tried in the magistrate's court or in the Crown Court, depending on the seriousness. And it's an offence under Section 15 of the Food Safety Act to sell or expose food for sale, which falsely describes the food or misleads the purchaser. So a, a good example would be food that's declared safe for people who have nut allergies, but then that product goes on to contain traces of nuts. So that's the kind of offences we're dealing with. Okay. Yeah, so um, so Act of 1990, does that also explain what sentences would you get? Or? The, the, Act sets, the Act sets out the, the maximum penalties, but there are um, separate sentencing guidelines, which are, which are outright called Definitive Sentencing Guidelines, which are drafted by the Sentencing Council. 
And they are, as I said previously, that they're means assessed. So there are various different um, categories depending on culpability and harm. And it depends where you fall in the culpability or harm. And then once you've sorted out where you fall there, then it's means tested. So say, for example, you are in culpability A, the fine for culpability A for someone earning lots of money will be a set amount. Yeah. And then for someone earning less, it will be less and it goes down on it as means assessed. But it's also different levels of fine for different levels of culpability and harm, depending on what actually happened with the breaches. Okay, so as I said before, this is very important for local businesses and people who are in the food industry and providing food, uh, or even selling the food, or even doing uh, like the, my colleague said, the charity the charity work where you provide food it comes under the regulations. So I will insist people to get get in touch with us on zero one five eight two four eight one eight two two if you do if you have any queries or questions. Um, we'll be moving on to uh, there's a term I've read somewhere. It says four C's of food hygiene. What is the four C's of food hygiene? Well, the four C's um, are often defined as cooking, uh, cleaning, uh, chilling, and cross-contamination. So if you like, it's a short um, acronym, if you like, to really focus the mind of those in the food trade to think about, am I being compliant with food safety regulations, and am I really setting a good practice, a good working environment for my employees and ensuring safety for my customers? So it says what it says, it is what it says on the tin, cooking, if you like. So your cooking areas, um, how are you cooking? the meat uh, is your cooking area safe making you think about temperature of food so really focusing your mind on everything that flows from cooking cleaning again it's what it says on the tin are you cleaning appropriately are you storing even your cleaning chemicals at the right height? Because it also is a crossover with the Health and Safety at Work Act here as well, ensuring a safe working environment. Chilling, often comes up in a number of cases, is your common one, chicken. There's tight regulations on import of chicken, where it's stored, how it's stored, how long is it stored for. Those in the food trade will know you have the colour stickers. Yeah. You put the sticker on Wednesday, you sign it and you date it. Yeah. Um, we're all familiar with those and we see and we wonder what they all mean. Are you doing that? And cross-contamination. It used to be back in the old days, you know, is my cooked meat not being stored with my chilled meat, different fridges, but also now with the allergies, as Greg mentioned, you know, if you're saying we're gluten-free, for example, are you contaminating your chopping boards? Are you contaminating your work areas? Can you give assurances to customers that their food is, is safe, that the food is exactly what it says it's going to be? So the four C's are there as sort of a reminder. They're not legal. It's not a legal act that says these are the four C's, yeah. but it's really just a helpful reminder there's higher level acronyms out there and there's higher level sort of studies and protocols and guides one can look for can i give a shout out in that regard to actually the food safety agency has really good guides on its websites it's it's the food safety agency is the one that really are setting the good practice and the guidance they're who the local authorities look to and there are a number of resources on their website that means you can download as a business owner for free 
guides about the four C's, about higher level um, sort of policies, and they will really give you for free yeah. some help and insight that you might well need. Yeah, that's well explained because I've uh, been trained for food safety myself in the mm. past due to my family being involved in food businesses. And I know the four C's are just to make uh, people understand the main, the gist of it, like yeah. how it should start, and after that, they carry on from there. So it's very important if you look at. Um, a food standards website like um, Colin said. So, who um, enforces and regulates uh, the law of food hygiene? Uh, it, could, can I come in on, on, oh, on, yeah. the, on, on the four C's? Because the four C's are, are a very good aid in terms of what you should and shouldn't do. Yeah. But where the four C's come from um, are for from the HACCP principles. Now, there are there are seven principles which, in effect, form the four C's, but in a little bit more detail. And it, it's important to obviously know the four C's, but if you know where they're coming from and you know where the regulations are, you can get a lot more information as well. Again, on, on the Food Standards Agency website, you can go onto um, the European Commission website, the European Union. They have loads and loads and loads of information because most of our food hygiene law stems from European law. So, for example, the HACCP principles come from Article 5.1 of Regulation 852-2004. And th- there are seven principles. So... For example, if we were to take cooking, that comes from conduct hazard analysis. So where are you getting your food from? Where are you getting your meat from? Where are you sourcing it? Can you check that there's no hazardous material to humans? So for example, any chemicals that might um, harm humans or any adverse uh, substances such as, for example, again, allergies or allergens that may cause people harm. And along with that, you've got to conduct a control point. So you've got, got to put in place steps which allow you to check your, your hazardous analysis and hazardous material. you then got to put in control lines, which allow you to check the control points. You have to make sure that there's principles and procedures which allow you to check those hazardous substances to try and reduce the amount of hazardous substances or uh, potential problems that you may have from supplying your food. you then got to monitor your control process. You've got to review your processes. You've got to make sure that what you're doing is working. If it's not working, you've got to go back and review it. And if you review it and find a different way, you then operate that different way. You've got to establish corrective action. You've got to be able to correct yourself. You've got to be able to see where you're going wrong and why you're going wrong and have that dialogue with your supplier as to where this is coming from. And if it's not something that can be sorted up with a supplier, then you've got to seek a, another supplier. Because if anything goes wrong from you buying this food, mm. once you have it, it's in your control. Mm. So therefore, as a food provider, you are then liable under the Food Safety Act. Okay. And then you have to verify each step. And finally, you have to keep records. If you keep records of all of your procedures, what's happened, log, 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 every single stage where you receive that food. As Colin says, the different color stickers, where it's come from, what the date is, if there was a problem, what was the problem, what did you do to fix it? You've got to keep those records. Because again, if you don't keep those records, that again is a breach of the Food Safety Act. So it's a lot more than just the four C's, but that's where the four C's comes from. And then who's going to enforce um, that? Yeah, Yeah, going back, no, it's helpful in terms of who's going to check that's all happening. Um, Actually, in law, the Food Safety Act gives in effect that power um, to the relevant food authority, which in most cases, not all of them, will be the relevant local authority or borough council. So they have specially trained individuals working for these teams uh, that will, in effect, enforce it. And if they find uh, a breach, uh, you may get sort of an improvement notice, which you may come back to later in the show first. There may be an emergency prohibition order. And if there's breaches of that or 
serious criminality discovered, uh, then they will enforce it themselves by bringing a prosecution. So the prosecution will be from the local authority. So it's local authority, council-led prosecutions. Now that often raises the question, well, it's criminal. Are the police coming police, involved? Yeah. Are the police I was there? Ask you that. Yeah. Well, in most cases, the police aren't g- going to be involved. Um, there may, of course, if um, food officers come in, there's a bit of a, a bit of a confrontation. Then you may find the police being phoned to assist them. But most of the time, it will just be uh, the officers dealing with this in, in hopefully quite a pragmatic, realistic, and sensible way. And it's always worth cooperating with them because if there is an improvement notice, uh, then obviously that's beneficial to start with. Um, the police, though, may well become involved, and it may well be what we call a matter prosecuted by the Crown if, unfortunately, death has resulted, because you may find it's a gross negligence manslaughter sort of case. We've seen that in recent years with, as Greg mentioned, where the catalyst for the investigation has been allergy uh, and that can affect not just the high street chains, but it can affect, as we've seen in the last year or so, uh, a, a very sort of average, what a better word, high street chain that might be warned about, please, I can't have this form of, of, of dish containing nuts. Uh, and then the nut dish is supplied with, as we know, catastrophic and sad and avoidable, most of the time, uh, consequences. And it may well, therefore, be that the police have become involved only in our experience at that stage. This is a council-led uh, operation normally. It, and, it, and to follow on from what Colin said, indeed, the, the nut allergy um, example um, last year, there was a, a case where, on Just Eat, the, the, the words prawns and nuts were written on the, on the comment section where you can leave notes for for the for the for the relevant uh, takeaway that you're getting from and unfortunately someone passed away because of the fact that it contained peanut protein now it shows just how careful you have to be because in an ideal situation and indeed under law you're under an obligation to check what that means because those two words were mentioned they didn't call up to say does this mean no prawns and no nuts they didn't really didn't ignore it but there was a lot of traces of peanut protein in the food which resulted in irreversible brain damage unfortunately mm. so that shows just how careful you have to be even if someone writes something like prawns and nuts you have to think well what does that mean does that mean that no prawns or no nuts does that mean they're requesting extra but you have to check and the easiest thing to do in that case would have been to ring the person yeah. who made the order and say what does this mean but because they didn't they, of course, fell foul of the provisions. And unfortunately, two people did go to prison because they hadn't done the relevant checks. So it's, it can be serious that people go to prison for mm. this. And it, it, it's, it's that the dangerous that's an impact of this yeah, is people indeed. can die as well. As, so as, as Colin yeah. says, it's only the really, really the most serious cases, for example, where it results in death from, from allergies. That's, yeah. when, that's when the police get involved and the Crown get involved. But usually it is a local authority matter. So I understand that people don't really take this very seriously, some of the people, and they to do get fine and mm. become in action again. And then obviously get fine again or get banned. Yeah. So can they ban you as well if you don't behave? Yeah. Basically, if you don't behave, given notices, yes. given fines, you don't behave. Then can they mm. ban a person as well? Yeah. I mean, if the if the breach is significantly serious, and you are the director of the company, and you are charged in your own name, uh, in addition to the company, then as an ancillary order, that simply means an order in addition to the sentence prescribed by law, the local authority, you can almost certainly expect them to apply for you to be banned as being a director. And that will 
me not simply a director in in law but will be designed to capture by its wording that you are not allowed to be involved in the food business at all Uh, and that's you know if, if you own a chain well, the fine might you may not think is that much, ten thousand pounds, but you will have to sell the company that day, or you'll be in breach the day after of the banning yeah. Yeah. or closing. So it, it's really, really quite serious. But it's because, unfortunately, breaches of food, even when they're not fatal, can cause serious complications to people. Uh, and it's not over pitching to say, I'm afraid, food is a weapon. Yeah. It kills. And people have to understand that it's not people with made-up allergies. Peanut allergies kill people. Yeah. And people will say, oh, someone on the plane said no peanuts can be served and they groan. But that could kill someone. Yeah. If they said no knives on the plane, no one would bat an eyelid. I mean, food, unfortunately, does kill. It's not overpitching it to say that. No. Uh, we've seen it in recent years more and more. That's why this has taken important. This is why businesses have to protect themselves. And this is why businesses need to think very carefully, are we doing enough to um, overcome this. Okay, it, so, it, um, it can ruin a reputation overnight. Yeah. If someone mm. gets banned, it, not only will there be a big fine if you're, if you're a high-earning company, but it can ruin your, your career, it can ruin your business image overnight. Yeah. Not just because of the bad press, because as, as Colin says, you'd be banned from running any franchise. And that, that is your career over. And it's, a, it's another example of why people have to start taking this extremely seriously. Because it, it has disastrous consequences not only for the people who are affected by the bad hygiene and the, and the bad processes but also for the people running the businesses it's, a, it's, it's something to invest in training training courses constant review it's something that needs to, you need to do as a director or indeed as an individual if you're not getting the training from your director you need to raise it yeah. or go on your own training courses because it's such a serious issue at the moment so I know like you said if you have a chain of restaurants mm. you are sitting in a big office not working yourself but one of your employees does something that yeah. is in breach, you will still be diabetic. You can be. So effectively, when when a company director is charged, um, in, they'd have to demonstrate, that's the prosecution have to demonstrate, that in effect, the breach of the food regulation, whichever one it may or may not be, was done in effect with your neglect, uh, connivance, and or consent. Um, so if you haven't done an effective review, as Greg said, if there isn't an effective procedure in place, if your training for your staff is woefully deficient, even though you may be 1,000 miles away from the shop in question, um, you may even be abroad on holiday. When it happens, you may find yourself being charged, and the word they pick upon is neglect, because what have you done? You know? And you may say, well, I gave seven training sessions. Well, you better have the records to prove it, buddy. Because if you want to run a a due diligence defence, in effect, and say, well, it wasn't and or it wasn't with my neglect, you're going to have to prove that you were a responsible owner and that the failing cannot be laid at your door at all. Um, So nine times out of ten, the director will find themselves charged because it's almost an unwritten rule, in our experience, that it's almost a rebuttable presumption that you've been neglectful because something happened yeah. and it really shouldn't have done. And it, and it is a, it is a defence under Section 21 of the Food Safety Act. If you can show you've taken all due diligence, yeah. you can show you've taken all reasonable steps and precautions as a necessary to avoid the commission of an offence, 
then as a, as a director, you have you have a defence to the to the allegations. Okay. So it comes back to the record keeping point from the HCAPB allegate, uh, regulations. You have to keep that record. So that's why it's there. As I say, you have the records of all your procedures, and if they're there, then if someone under your under your control or someone you employ makes a mistake, if you've done your due diligence and you continually review your procedures, then you do have a defence under the Act. Okay. So it's very important to do so. So even if you give your staff training, you are saying you have to review all the time just to mm. make sure that they get it, they understand it. If you don't, then you might not have a defence. Yeah, I mean, exactly. exactly. I mean, it. you know... And as I, I say, it's why I use the bold terms, food is a weapon. If you have that mantra in your mind, that really tells you the threshold of um, complying and responsibility that you have to, and you should want to. Anyone who runs a food business should want to comply. It shouldn't be seen as a burden. You want to sell only good food. You want to have a safe working environment. You want your customers and staff to be happy. So we're not scaremongering to say, you know, don't run a food company. This should be second nature to you if you do the reading, if you get the advice. Yeah, so obviously it's like people who run food businesses. I know we dealt with some cases where someone was saying, I wasn't aware of it. Mm. Is that a defence? Well, I mean, if you can say it wasn't aware of the regulation, do you yeah. mean, or the effects? Yeah. Well, no, ignorance no. is no defence of the law, my friend. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, so it's you, the old adage you learn day one of law school. So, um, yeah. Your total ignorance is not is very unlikely to be a successful defence here. Uh, um, I mean, what I suppose a more academic way of saying it, if there were a number of stages below you, you really are the CEO of a multi-billion pound company. Uh, and as far as you're concerned, you had all these stages in place and you had in-house legal teams. I suppose it may be harder to prove it's done of your neglect, your connivance or consent because you had good enough procedures in place that you yourself personally could step away. But I would advise anybody listening who is a director, make sure you're taking active steps to show you're discharging your responsibilities and obligations. Okay, we are running obviously towards the break now. Another 20 seconds, we're going for a couple of minutes break and then we'll come back to the show. I'll just remind the listeners, this is a very important show in relation to food safety and hygiene. It's, it's, it, it involves everyone, every single person who gets food or gets involved with the food, because we do have, we have to get involved with food. Please call in on 01582481822. We'll see you on the other side of the break. Thank you. You're listening to an Inspire FM podcast, making available our popular programs from our daily broadcast on Inspire FM. Yeah, so we are back on the after the break. We are talking about um, food safety and hygiene issues. Um, we have our panelists today, uh, Mr. Colin Richer from Church Court Chambers, and we also have uh, Gregory Wedge, They're both barristers. They're very competent. We worked with them before, and uh, we are currently working together on a lot of issues with food hygiene and safety and regulatory bodies and also crime. Um, so... Um, like we said before, this is very important and crucial for uh, everyone who is listening and who is not listening to um, uh, make sure that ensure that what they eat is 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 good for their health and it's not causing them um, any danger to their life or probably you can get very seriously ill if you have anything which you're not supposed to have. So if, please call in on zero one five eight two four eight one eight two two. That's zero one five eight two four eight one eight two two. If you have any questions or queries. Um, so we'll get back to um, 
uh, our show, we were talking about the liability of directors mm. and uh, the companies. So when when do they go for company itself and not directors? Can they just uh, find the company, not the directors? Well, in, in principle, yes, um, they could do. Uh, I've um, only seen it in my experience where the company and uh, the director are charged, in effect, on the same charge sheet. So both appear before the magistrate's court. Um, so most of the time you expect to see both both individual charges. If for some reason um, the prosecution felt that they may not be able to prosecute the director, uh, but it was a company-wide issue, there was a corporate breach, then you may only see the company. But uh, most times you see both charged at the same time. So, Greg, can we can that person get strike double double strike as a company and as a private for the same offence, or will it be just one? They can indeed. They can have a, what you referred to as a double strike. They can uh, be prosecuted in both capacities. Uh, it's well within the law for them to do that uh, at the same time. Yes. And if say a company committed a lot of breaches, uh, can they have a, like we say concurrent sentences for the same amount, or how does that work in yep. terms of? Yeah, I mean, yeah, sorry, Greg, yeah. I mean, it, concurrent sentences are, 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 are interesting. What, what a court would, would normally do is if a company and a director and individuals are up for various breaches, the way most courts operate is they can do it in two ways. You can get uh, one big fine for one charge and then no separate penalties for others, or you can get various fines running consecutively to get to the total. So a court will have a total in mind. They'll, they'll look at the overall criminality and the overall breaches and they'll have a total in mind. So concurrent or consecutive doesn't really matter too much. If there was various serious breaches, then of course a court may feel that concurrent fines are necessary to, to, to send a message that this simply cannot happen. But if there are various minor breaches, what the court might do, and what the magistrate's court usually do when there are minor breaches, is say for example there are six charges for six minor breaches. They will give a big fine for the first charge, and then all the other fines will be either no separate penalty or smaller fines running concurrently. So the total is the, is the big fine on the first charge, and the rest are not immaterial, but they run concurrent or they, there'll be no separate penalty. So um, in terms of uh, breaches, what type of breaches? Do you have any examples of breaches? Like what type of breaches can mm. be? Um, so in, in recent um, years, cases that we've dealt with, uh, often not knowing or checking where the source of meats are um, to, for example, a takeaway shop, um, incorrect storage, which causes a risk of illness by the way in which the meats are stored, uh, incorrect um, auditing, if you like, of the process, as Greg mentioned earlier at the outset of the show, having inadequate record keeping in effect. Also, what we routinely see is that the local authority will give normally a hygiene improvement notice or improvement notice generally. And there is under EU law, under the food hygiene regulations, a specific offence of failing to comply with the terms of that um, improvement notice. So we often see that prosecuted as well. And um, so that is all relevant uh, to um all of the listeners who are involved in this area. So that's all of the most common breaches. And actually, on reflection, they're breaches that our listeners are probably thinking, 
well, how on earth did that happen? But you'll be surprised. There can be very poor record keeping. Uh, and a food standards agency officer may arrive at your venue. They may do an inspection. Uh, they may open the freezer and they'll say, right, the chicken thighs to the left. Where did you buy them from? And you'll need to produce the invoice, the this this company, and where did they get their meat from? Did you check with them, their compliance, if you like, with the process? Um, so it, they're the sorts of classic breaches that we've seen, uh, and it can be triggered by an outbreak of an illness in the area. It could just be a routine inspection. There could be there could be genuine genuine concerns. Okay, and uh, usually they come down, and obviously it's. Uh uh, pay a visit to uh, mm. various food places and they have a food hygiene rating as well zero yes, to five yes. stars so how does that work well, that, they may come and inspect the premises, for example, and they may say, do you know what, this is really impressive. Um, you've, we've said, where's your uh, record keeping? And you haven't just given them a few sort of pieces of paper, a post-it note on top saying Monday's delivery, but you've said, here's, here's a complete file. What do you want? Test us. There's the file. There's the PDF on our computer. These are the records. These are our trading manuals. There, you've got the right signs, the right chopping boards. It's all just perfect. And therefore, they will give you a fantastic score you know you hope you're going to get that five okay and the five star is the most favorite one by the people. yeah yeah it's it's saying of it it looks like that's perfect that's it and yeah. often people are really proud by it so they put that on their shop front window and quite rightly so um you know uh, it's it's there for all to see and that's what you want to achieve the the, the easiest analogy i can give to keeping records uh, in terms of food safety is treat your record keeping for your food like you would your accounts yeah. You would want to go through your account. If a ta- if the tax man knocks on the door and said, I want to see this, or the VAT man knocks on the door and said, I want to see this, everyone knows you'd be able to produce within minutes your yeah. records of every single transaction. This is your return from 2009. Here's my return from 2019. So treat your record keeping for your food exactly the same as you would your accounts. Yeah. Because like the tax man, if the tax man comes knocking, you haven't got appropriate records or you can't provide the evidence that they need, then you will be in trouble. It's exactly the same thing for the Food Standards Agency. So treat them with the same importance, because obviously making money is tied into having a good hygiene rating, it's tied into not having any breaches for food hygiene. So you have they go hand in hand, and you treat them equally with the same respect. So when can a business fall below the standards? Like, does that, does it have to be between zero to five, or do, you, do the business has to have to fall even below zero? To get their notices of it, prosecution, it's, it's all to do with the standard, the standard of hygiene. It's all to do with the standard of safety. If the local authority does a, a spot inspection, even if you've had a, a five-star rating in the past, if you've let standard slips, you haven't got the records, you haven't done as Colin said, you haven't checked where your meat's coming from. If your meat supplier follows the regulations as well, you you can you can be prosecuted. It's even small things like the cleanliness of the kitchen. The, the ex- exposure to bacteria whilst you're cooking or your cooking process, that is also as important as keeping these records from where you get the food. Mm. And it can be it, it can be what you think is something small, but that can actually be something quite large in terms of the food the Food Safety Act. I mean, if, if they come and do, I mean, your question is probably directed towards this. I mean, if they come and do an inspection and everything is perfect apart from one bag of chicken thighs, you can't explain where the one bag went because that particular bag has slipped through your net, then the local authority in our experience would be unlikely to prosecute the threshold for any prosecution is is it in the public interest to prosecute as well as has there been technically a breach of any law so the local authority may think well hang on a second you've been compliant for the last five years it's a technical breach but it's in one small area 
do you know what, we'll wait and make a decision on our next inspection. Um, so in answer to the question, how bad does it have to be? Well, really bad enough that it warrants a sanction, if you like, by the local authority. If it's a small um, breach in terms of there's pretty good record keeping, but there's one area you haven't thought about or considered, you may get an improvement notice for that one area, simply to say, look, you need to uh, better train your staff and have a monitoring system in place, and then they'll see if that's happened or not. Have you followed that improvement notice? Is it a realistic and proportionate improvement notice? Yes. Has it been complied with? Fine. We'll move on. Um, so you, the small breach may not concern you, but don't forget that's on their records. Their record keeping yeah. is perfect. So they come back three years later, they may well be saying, well, hang on a second, three years ago, you also had an issue with just one area. Now it's two areas. Now it's three. Next time we're prosecuting. So is it fair to say that um, it can start from costing you one or two stars rating up, mm. to, up to millions? It can. Yeah. If you, yeah. It can. So, yeah. Okay. Almost certainly. Okay, so what uh, what are different categories of food hygiene? Like, would you categorize this as any different categories in terms of law? Um, I think that's a really good question. I mean, I don't think you can categorize actually uh, the the food hygiene in terms of you you can divide it by the four C's. You can divide it by the more articulate seven steps that Greg identified. You can categorize it between the laws and obligation that comes from our domestic legislation, the laws that come from our European um, legislation. Um, so it, it's it's hard to categorise. I mean, hygiene it really is about the company. Personal hygiene also can come into it. The hygiene of your staff, for example, the hair nets, the hand wash signs, all of that can come into it too. But I think you should have a broad definition of hygiene. I, I don't think it achieves any purpose uh, to try and define it. In my personal view, so there are breaches which can be mitigated at the time, like you said, if the improvement notices in place, yeah. you have to yeah. do the work straight away and show yes. them that you completed the work. That's been mitigated. Yeah. I mean, it comes off. And then there won't be a prosecution say, because yeah. you're complying yeah, you're with compliant, it. Yeah. yeah. But if you if you refuse to do and still carry on doing business and don't comply with the improvement notice, mm -hmm. what will happen then? Well, they could move to what's called, in effect, a prohibition order. Yeah. In effect, they're going to shut you down then and there. Okay. And you'll be closed because the the danger, the risk to the public is, is just too great. And you're showing no real sense of concern, no willingness to improve. So in addition to, to a pro going prosecution, um, which of course you're presumed innocent until guilty, with a prohibition order in effect, um, they'll apply within a couple of days at the magistrate's court and they will have closed your shop down. So we are obviously today, prohibition order, you know, you mentioned this uh, prohibition order. We are today. We were dealing with one of the major restaurants where they prohibit. They were prohibited to do the job, but yeah. obviously they carried on working beyond the order. What happens then if you if you're in breach of that order as well? Well, that could be a criminal offence in itself. So failure to failure to comply uh, could be could well be classed as not simply a contempt but a criminal offence. So that is an aggravating feature. Is it, is it fair to say that's an aggravate, aggravating factor? It's, it's not just an aggravating feature, as Colin said. It's, it's a separate offence. It's a separate offence yeah. in terms of yeah. So that means if there's improvement notice in place, you have to action it quickly. No, ignore obviously it's for people yeah. listening businesses and then normally we just make sure that no panic with a hygiene improvement notice or, or, or the old style normal improvement notices they normally get about 14 days in experience mm. yeah so that's normally where you're looking at 14 days to improve your record keeping perhaps train your staff uh make sure you're separating your fridges out better maybe even 
purchase an, another fridge completely and storing it somewhere else. So it, it will be for something that needs improvement and it will tell you exactly what you need to do. So it won't say, for example, here's an improvement notice, improve. <laughs> it will actually say, this is what you need to improve, X, Y, and Z, and this is how you may achieve it. And this, if you don't do it, we're looking at doing other steps in the way. And it's not like if you, it's not like if you don't comply with it within the 14 days, you're going to be prosecuted. If you can show that you've taken the reasonable steps to try and comply with it, they will give you more time. They will, they will look at what you do within that, within that time frame. And if you are taking steps, but the steps are taking longer, for example, to use Colin's, Colin's example, given you haven't got the funds to buy a new fridge immediately, but you've changed the way you separate the food in separate fridges, or you, you have to deep, perhaps deep clean the kitchen because it's not to, to a certain standard, and you're, you're midway through doing that for a few days, they won't just say, well, you've had your time, we're going to we're going to prosecute if they can see that you're making the steps to improve they will give you that mm. more time and really what flows from that is this this is about cooperation that's the buzzword really for those that are in the food industry don't see those who enforce food regulations as the enemy work with them when they come for inspections if, if you yourself are struggling to understand something a uh, concept or worried you're not doing good enough speak to them and say look this is the can i show you the fridge what do you think of this can i show you my record keeping what do you think of this work with them that's the point here and as an aside uh, you get an improvement notice or you get notice of inspection tomorrow um please don't go around faking invoices <laughs> faking the logbook because that opens up a whole can of worms yeah. perverting the course of justice fraud offenses it will make it more serious and you do see that in tandem sometimes yeah. the company starts to panic they create a fake audit trail it's gonna be it's gonna become undone yeah it's, uh, it has happened in past experience yeah. as well and it's really bad if for the company and everyone you may the original offence, you may be fined 100, 100 pounds and then you commit a bigger yeah. offence which can carry your prison sentence. Exactly. Like so said, it, yeah. it, it, it's about being honest and transparent. And on that, there are offences, talking out loud, thinking out loud, that when you apply for your food licence, some I've known it and I've dealt with these cases before, where you misrepresent to the oh, food yeah. standard agency uh, what's going to be happening at the premises. So, for example, we're going to be selling chickens, uh, but we won't be processing them. And then an inspection comes around, and rather than packaged chickens already labelled arriving, uh, the, the, the chickens arriving from source, you're the one actually bagging them and labelling them. But because you wanted not to pay the right fee or the right note, you've, you've tried to suggest them in advance, all we're going to be doing is X. You would always be on their radar. Yeah. They're not going to want to know you. They will be hard on you. So you've got to be honest and transparent. That's the message here to the listeners from day one. If you're going to be packaging, producing, tell the local authority accurately what you're going to be doing on site. You will be found out, I'm afraid. Okay. And, so, and, and if you tell them what you're going to do, they will they will help you. Yeah. They, they, will, they will show you the relevant training. They will show you where you can get it from. It's all on their website as well. And if you are operating under standard and there is a spot inspection, again... They will, as, as Colin said, they will help you. It's about negotiations. It, it's about cooperation. The improvement notices are not there to punish you. The improvement notices are actually there to help you. They're not looking to shut you down immediately. Yeah. Mm. Like like on the face of it, it says improvement notice. Yeah, it, it exactly. Means, in itself, it means make improvements and carry on. Mm. But if you don't, if you fail to, then obviously there are repercussions where you can go to a bigger fine or essentially yeah. you can lose business exactly you more exactly and they will business. give you they will give you ample amount of time to improve okay
Yeah, so you obviously, once the, improve, once the improvement notice is complied with, they can come back and have another look. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. and they often will, they'll build that relationship with you and make those checks. Okay. So, you, you listeners, this is Ask Your Lawyers show today. We are talking about health and, health and sorry, food hygiene and safety. Um, please call in on 01582481822 or you can WhatsApp in on 0779481822. We are also live on Facebook. Please get engaged or make comments or um, messages and we will answer them if you have any queries. This is a very important topic, very hot topic, and everyone should be concerned about their health and safety and what they, where they're eating from and what they're eating and what obviously they, because this can have an impact on their life for a long, long period of time if they catch a disease which uh, which is um, which can lead to death, presumably. And in some cases, it has happened, like my panelist said, there was a food allergy case where uh, someone sadly passed away and then uh, the business owner ended up going to prison so it's very important for the businesses and also for the for the people or customers who are using these businesses they have to make sure that they have every every um, um, everything um, precautions in place like anything if if you see obviously bad environment then you need you need to make yourself aware of that where to eat from and how to look after uh, stuff you're taking home for your children and for yourself so please do get in touch if you need any advice on food safety or food hygiene or if you have been uh, prosecuted or being prosecuted or there is also it's been i think we are earlier on we we're speaking about proceed of crime in terms of food hygiene i believe so I will just ask my colleagues to shed a light if you are doing something out of the breaching the law and making benefit from it, would that be a criminal offence in that side as well? Well, I suppose that's an interesting concept. I mean, in what, in many ways, if there's a if there's a correlation, you're cutting corners, and because of the way in which you're cutting corners, it could be argued that the entire enterprise, in one way, is a, is criminal. Uh, then the turnover of the company could, on one analogy, could potentially be considered uh, a criminal benefit in law in terms of the proceeds of crime. We, we tend to see the punishment and ancillary orders limited just to uh, prosecution costs and uh, the fine, because the fine, in effect, is meant to be deterrent and is meant to be a punishment in of itself to really make sure there is no financial incentive to breach the regulations. Uh, and when you are prosecuted and if you are convicted, the sentencing judge, quite rightly, uh, will demand very transparent financial information on, on you and your company. So it's not simply saying to the judge, my company made £50,000 last year. Uh, they will expect, and indeed this is mentioned in Sensing Council guidelines, they will expect audited accounts and or accountant accounts for your company for several years to make sure that the fine they are going to impose is appropriate in all circumstances and that you are punished. So you will not make money by cutting corners. Rest assured, um, you will be punished. I mean, proceeds, proceeds of crime, it, it, it's all to do with getting ill, repaying ill-gotten Ill gotten gains, sorry. Um, it, it's all about, if you have a criminal enterprise, you're making money from that criminal enterprise, you have to pay that back. Because without the criminal enterprise, you wouldn't have received that money. You wouldn't have received the benefits of it. The only example I can think of thinking aloud in terms of where there may be a proceeds of crime process of crime act defense or they may go after some some money is if you have been given a food hygiene rating of say one or two 
but you're advertising in your shop a food hygiene rating of five, and you're getting lots of business from that advertised five rating. That's not really anything to do with food safety. Yes, you're you're operating below the food safety standards, but the only way that they can, that can go in for a, for what we call commonly called confiscation proceedings or proceedings of crime act proceedings is you're fraudulently representing to members of the public that you are a five star rated hygiene agency when actually you're one or two. Yeah. And those people will be going to you to get get your food to buy from you because you're a five star. You're advertising yourself as a five star rating. So that's an example mm. of where the proceeds of crime could come from. Yeah. But in terms of, of food safety, in my experience, and I, 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 I don't know if Colin agrees. In my experience, it's very rare, if really at all, happens at all, where you have proceeds of crime for food safety breaches. Uh, yeah, that's uh, I've realised that's a completely different area of law. It's, it doesn't really correlate with the food <clears throat> business or food hygiene but at least obviously we shed the light on it that yeah. it, it can be in like it's not like they will be but it can mm. uh, be related to a procedure of crime if yeah. fraud and, and the money you're making will certainly be relevant to sentence yeah so end be- of the, you do lose money one yeah. or the other yeah. Because if, if you think about well, how, how do they look at the sentencing well an aggravating feature of the case would be if this was done just to make hard cold cash yeah if you decided, actually, do you know what? It was just too expensive for me to produce proper labels. It was just too expensive for me to employ an extra pair of hands to check the food, unpackage it, and keep a log. So I decided to save myself twenty-five grand a year by breaching the regulations. Yeah. That would be relevant consideration to the judge as an aggravating feature. It's not neglect, yeah. uh, but it, it's it's full on done with your consent. You're actively seeking to breach. The, breach the laws that are there to protect your customers, to protect the consumer. That would be an aggravating feature. You can expect some serious fines if that was to occur. Okay, so we obviously covered pretty much all of the areas we wanted to discuss in terms of food hygiene and safety. But obviously, while it's closing this, so we just want, obviously, I just want my panelists to just comment on uh, uh, how can this be avoided? I know you already mm. shed a light on it that the courses need to be done, the training needs to be provided, reviews. So if you can shed a light for the listeners, just for the benefit, some of the listeners might have started listening just now. So if we do a recap and just summarise it, that I think that will take us to the end of the show. Yeah, of, of course. Well, I'll kick off. Um, you've got to start with basics. Go to the free resources that are out there from the Food Standard Agency, from the government website, uh, those sorts of departments. And, of course, we mentioned earlier, Health and Safety Executive, although they don't deal necessarily with the food side of things, they do deal with the general work environment, which is also really important for listeners to bear in mind. Look at the guides, look at the example protocols, start drafting your own templates, start thinking, am I being compliant? That's step one. Step two, for a slightly larger company and you've allocated money in your yearly budget for the issue, there are independent auditing companies that can come in and can, in effect, carry out an audit for you. They can tell you where you need to improve in their experience. They can tell you which areas you're lacking in. Third, for comprehension, um, you can go to the lawyers. People often think of the lawyers last in the chain. Oh no, I've got the notice or I'm being prosecuted. I now better get out the other pages and Google and find myself a lawyer. Too late. Yeah. A cost-effective way, albeit we're all biased on the panel tonight, I know, mm-hmm. but a cost-effective way, of course, is go to the local firm first. Ask them to assist you in drafting the policies. Ask them to give you the legal training on the offence. That would be a good tip, I think, in my view. 
Yeah. And I think I, we are, we've got less than one minute. Yeah, so Greg, I, I, if you can... Keep, keep it short and sweet, as I'm famous for doing sometimes. Uh, it, it boils down to this. All businesses, no matter their size, no matter their type, no matter how much money they earn, need to invest time and money to ensure ongoing compliance with the relevant legislation. As Colin says, he's given you three examples. You can you can invest money in training, you can invest money in, in various policies, but it's worth the time and it's worth the consideration because it's such an important issue. Okay, listeners, we are getting towards the end of the show. We have a very informative, had a very informative show. You can still listen to it as recorded on podcast or you can listen to it on Facebook recorded live. It will stay on Facebook and you can come back and listen into it. If you do need to get in touch with us, you can go do so by getting in touch with Inspire FM and they will pass it on to us. Thank you for the panelists and thank you for listening to us. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Why not tune in to our live stream? at inspirefm.org and follow and subscribe to our social media platforms at inspirefmluton.